You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL and follow us on Twitter at BetQL Daily. And Aaron, let's jump right on in to our recap of the U.S. Open as Wyndham Clark with 85 to 1 odds to start the tournament wound up capturing his first major championship at the U.S. Open at Los Angeles Country Club. And it's one of those deals where as we grow to appreciate and perhaps even love Wyndham Clark, it was also a disappointing day for a number of big stars. Ricky Fowler, who a lot of us thought could very well make a charge here, he fell apart. Rory McIlroy was very much in contention until the very end. Scotty Scheffler was in contention, got another top five finish. My bet for top 10 turned out to cash. Uh, Sahith Gala, a fan favorite, especially in the BetQL Daily family. He made the cut. And so we'll get to uh, what that means. And Aaron, your bet on Cam Smith finishing in the top 10, that cash is at plus 250. What was the big storyline for you over the weekend? I think the biggest thing for me is still, what do we do with Rory McIlroy? I mean, Every major, he's got short odds to win it, but he hasn't won anything in like 10 years. And he was so close. It seemed like maybe this was the time he would win again. And I mean, it's just got to be frustrating for him, kind of on the doorstep, knocking on the door, and then disappointing to fall short in the end. And the other takeaway is, you know, we talk about it on the show, like, Early on, you know, we saw what Ricky Fowler was doing, but did we really think because of that hot start that he was going to go ahead and win it all? It's kind of like if you're the leader on day one or two, mm, it's still not a lock. It's even, I I almost would feel worse about that if I was the player. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It is interesting that the two golfers who set a U.S. Open record with a 62 No one had ever shot better than a 63 in U.S. Open history after more than 100 years of it being played. The two golfers with 62s did not win this thing. Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley, who pretty much fell out of contention uh, pretty much early on Sunday. You mentioned Rory McIlroy and the fact that he fell just short once again. He finished uh, with a 271 overall score. That is the lowest 72-hole total at a U.S. Open all-time by a player who didn't win. So it's not like McElroy played poorly. I I wouldn't even say, you know, he didn't handle the pressure well. Like, I mean, minus nine is really, really good, especially at a U.S. Open. It's just that Wyndham Clark was playing just a little bit better. And to me, I would chalk this more up as bad luck 
than I would anything else for McElroy. And look, if he's going to play like this, then at some point it's going to happen for him. He is going to get that mm-hmm. fifth major, an elusive fifth major. Uh, it's just that Wyndham Clark just finished one stroke better. The other thing, death taxes in Scotty Scheffler, D10 mm-hmm. at least, right? I mean, that guy is phenomenal. I wonder how many units you'd be up if you just bet him top 10 so far this season. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And to me, I think it's a, an important lesson in terms of looking at golfers' qualities and abilities in general, because the big knock on him right now is that he's not putting very well. In fact, he's putting really poorly, uh, to be blunt about it. But his game off the tee and his iron and hybrid game and how well he's pitching it around the green, all of those phases are so, so good that it's more than compensating for a bad putter. And it's one of those deals where you go in, okay, we're, we're going to have a British Open coming up in about a month. If you want to say, okay, Scotty Scheffler has not proven to me that he can putt, and so therefore I'm not going to take super short odds to win, I understand that. But this idea that his putter is going to leave him out of a top, top, top five or a top ten finish, or you're going to do something crazy like not pick him in a particular matchup or a particular group, to me, that's just bad process. What he's doing is special. I mean, this is historic how well he's playing right now. And at some point, the putter is going to come back because of all the facets of golf, putting has the most variance. You can be really bad from one stretch to the next, but then ultimately you can flip a switch and it'd be really good. But you're off the tee game, your approach game. That is much more consistent from one tournament to the next, one season to the next. Putting is the really tricky thing where it's almost unpredictable. And the fact that Scheffler doesn't have a good putter right now, to me, that suggests at some point when he becomes an average putter, he's going to start to win tournaments again. Yeah. Well, would you continue to bet him top 10 just blindly based off, you know, what we've seen? Because I feel like you have a pretty good chance. Obviously you have to look at course history and you know how the, he fits in there, but I mean, gosh, it's hard to, uh, to ignore him right in that market. I think at this point it it is almost a a blind bet because Mm -hmm. you don't want to, I mean, if you're the book, you don't want to make the odds too short, right? Because then you could stand to lose your shirt if you're the book. Uh, in, in particular, matchups, group play, all of those things. I mean, what was it? There was a uh, one matchup with John Rahm where Rahm was plus one fifty or plus one forty against Scheffler. That didn't cash. You know, Scheffler won that. But at some point, to compensate for the super short odds that you may put out there for Scheffler, at some point somebody's going to make a run in a pairing or something like that, and you're going to lose value overall. And so. It's one of those deals where I think with implied probability, you're probably still safe betting on top 10 finishes for Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, I th- I like the top 10 market. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I bet Cam Smith plus 250. He won the Open Championship last year. I'll probably be looking at him again. Um, he's mm-hmm. just been in really good form. So I'm looking forward to that. In terms of just circling back to Rory uh, really quick, if it's – 
because he seems so focused to win another major. If we're talking about a golf tournament that's not a major, would you be looking to stay away on betting Rory? Because I feel like unless it's a major, is he really going to be interested? I feel like that would be just a little bit disappointing. Well, yeah, you won something, but it wasn't a major. Does that make sense? Uh, perhaps. I, I mean, so many things go into that to where I, I hate to break down the psychology too much to where, okay, yeah. it's not a major, therefore Rory is going to be working on other parts of his game more than actually trying to win. It, it, it's hard for me to, you know, break it down in that way. I think what tends to happen is that the odds are just too short for him to where I'm uncomfortable betting on him. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that I think he's playing poorly. I think he's playing really well. And then I think it's only he a matter is. of time before that fifth major happens. You know, I mean, case in point, minus nine for the U.S. Open. That is a winning score many, many years in that tournament. It just wasn't this year. And that happens. But I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, that next, that next major or really good tournament, uh, he's going to finish out on top. That is possible for him. And to me, it's more of a numbers game than anything else. Are these odds too short? They tend to be because I think we're all anticipating it to happen. But, I mean, you know how golf is, Aaron, where the one time we forget about a star, that's when they shine. Yeah, or, I mean, a lot of people were taught, including Paul, that, you know, Ricky Fowler was playing some really good golf, and then here he Mm -hmm. is, too. So, yeah, it's some of the – golf is just so – I love betting it because you get such good value – (laughs) <laughs> but it's tough, oh, yeah. you know, to get to pick the outright. It's 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 almost like, oh yeah, twenty to <laughs> one or whatever, eighty five to one, and it's it's tough to know who's actually going to win. But that's what's fun about it. It is interesting that it felt like Clark had some real betting value if you're betting him live during that final round, because I think we were talking so much about Ricky Fowler finally breaking through or Roy McIlroy or Scheffler. Like we were kind of forgetting that Clark was very much in contention. And look, he's been playing well leading up to the U.S. Open. I mean, 85 to one, you know, maybe this is too much hindsight, but that felt like a good play. It's just that it was so far down on the list that you almost forget about it. But his form was really good coming in. We do need to bring in Paul, though, as far as uh, him wiping off his brow that uh, Figala made the cut, and therefore he's not going to have to wipe off clown makeup uh, over the course of this week. So congratulations on uh, basically surviving kind uh, of, this bet here. It, it kind of went exactly how we thought it would. Like, first mm-hmm. round was terrible, but I said he's a day two guy. And sure enough, he shot like four <laughs> under on day two. He was a day two guy. Just to get, yeah, just to get under the cut. And then, I mean, you guys couldn't have been too nervous, but he was he was making a charge for a minute, like not towards the top of the leaderboard, but he was within top 20 at certain points. Uh, I think he finished ended up finishing like T30, something like that. But, yeah, I uh, – I pretty much just washed my hands of it, and I was like, you know what? Whatever <laughs> happens, happens. I wasn't overly sweating it, but I am relieved to not deal with that today. I wanted no part of that today. <laughs> so I guess I'll have to bet him again next time, next tournament. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, probably. Man. Uh, if only you could do day two Tigala. I mean, maybe we should ask Seamus McGee to uh, offer that. We could give a little like uh, right. BetQL Daily boost day two Tigala bets. There's, there's probably like maybe there was a matchup or something I could have looked at. I think, and it was what was also interesting looking at some places was like they updated the 72 round, um, like the full tournament matchups. They updated them day to day. So I like I usually look at them from like round one or for the full tournament before the tournament. But he was I forget who he was up against. I never even considered it because I had enough on the line there. But that was interesting to see those markets move as well. And like something like Patrick Reed and Corey Connors, like Reed ended up finishing, I don't know, eight or nine over for the tournament, but made the cut and Connors fell apart and missed the cut. So there's a lot of different interesting matchups and names. Um, like the top of the leaderboard was full of names, but there were some of our, our casual people who like the Shane Lowry's of the world just missed out on like top 20s, Hatton as well. Um but yeah, it was an interesting mix, and I, I'm with you, Ed. I did not mind the West Coast golf. It was kind of cool to just have it on in the background at night as well. A little primetime golf, nothing wrong with that. And, and we don't get that every year. You know, sometimes all of the majors are on the East Coast or Central time zone, and, and sometimes we're not yeah. treated to that. And, and this time we were. And I, I mean, for me, it's, you know, it ends at 7 o'clock or whatever, so it's, it doesn't matter to me very much. But uh, definitely, you know, when I was living in the Central time zone, like West Coast golf, it was the best because it was always scenic. That was always fun. Uh, the views of downtown Los Angeles, those are always great. But then also, like, when a tournament's at Pebble Beach or something like that, then you could see the Pacific Ocean. That's kind of cool, uh, even when it's in prime time. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those deals where as far as a TV product went that you, you probably would have wanted more fans out there, probably a larger, more boisterous gallery. Uh, but it is also a major championship, and sometimes you just don't have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some uh, some drama about the whole fan stuff, right? I mean, it was kind of in a mm-hmm. like, and there was stuff about was the USGA trying to buy up all the tickets so that it wasn't I don't know wasn't as rowdy, not as much as the common fan, perhaps. A lot of like suites were mm-hmm. taking, um, a lot of corporate uh, money was taking a lot of those tickets. So you know, it certainly it was weird though. Remember at the end, like everyone rushing the mm-hmm. course to like watch the final putt. That was kind of wild um, and fun. But uh, it seems like overall it was kind of a your typical snobby, exclusive, maybe kind of what's wrong with golf sort of thing going on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a probably a delicate balance between the Phoenix Open and what was going on at L.A. Country <laughs> Club, but uh, you know, somewhere in the middle yeah. is probably the best for the team. And for I, I fully agree. I think, like, making it too crazy like the Phoenix Open might be a little overboard, but somewhere in the sure. middle, I think, makes it so much fun. And 
I just think it's so boring when everyone has to be so quiet and like, I don't know. I think it's good for the game to have some drunk rowdy fans out there. It's funny. I, it's enough trouble. Happy Gilmore vibes. Yeah. Yeah, a little something. I mean, the, the British Open is such to where like, you know, because it's, you know, not as well set up, I suppose. Like, you know, you have all these random courses and random pastures. Everybody kind of rushes to the 72nd green, so to speak. And there's something really special about that. And so if the U.S. Open does something similar, I think that's just fine. Mm-hmm. I agree. But, New tradition. Yeah. Sure. I mean, overall, I thought the TV product was fine. And the fact that we didn't have commercials at the end and all that fun stuff, like, I, I thought it was a fantastic experience. But I do want to take the U.S. Open to court. And we will get to that a little later because I do have one bone to pick uh, with the overall major experience. But in the meantime, uh, this is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, a massive NBA trade happening over the weekend. And we need to talk about how to bet it right here on the BetQL Network.